0: Hi and welcome to the European Tours Life on Tour podcast. I'm your host Ewan Porter and in today's episode we're joined by a man who has developed a great affinity for golf in Europe. He's enjoyed tremendous success in the United States and it's been great to see him bring his game and charisma to the European Tour. Billy Horschel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you and thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now look I know you kicked off your 2022 PGA Tour campaign in Mexico last week, and you have the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai next week. Uh, where are you at the moment? Are you chilling at home in Jacksonville?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm here in Ponte Vigia, um, leaving here uh, in, in two days for Dubai. Excited to get over there. I've never been to Dubai, so um, I've heard so many great things about it, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun trip. It's it's Obviously, I've watched this event the last few years on TV, and um, it's had some exciting finishes, and and hopefully, I can be a part of that uh, that history a little bit this uh,
0: next week. Oh, look, it's been a long and arduous season. There's no question about that, and especially with uh, all the interruptions uh, last year as well. you feeling refreshed and, and ready to go.
1: Yeah, uh, after Dunhill, I was I was pretty exhausted. I was pretty um, pretty pretty tired, and so uh, I was supposed to play CJ Cup in, in Vegas and decided to to take the week off. So. Uh, before last week's uh, event down in Cancun, uh, I took four weeks off. You know, just put the clubs away, enjoy some family time, um, recovered, and and I feel pretty refreshed now. I feel ready to go, and it's nice to not feel so exhausted uh, heading into our event.
0: Well, you mentioned it's you're going to be your first trip to Dubai and the, and the United Arab Emirates and Jamira Golf Estates, where the events being played next week. Have, have you had any intel from your peers on the golf course?
1: Uh, the great thing is I've got a great caddy and Mark Fulcher, Fuchs, who's caddy for Justin Rose there, and he's had some some success on that golf course. So, uh, I'm lucky to have him on my bag. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, last week, uh, was, was telling my, was telling Fuchs and my stats guy, Mark Hortsey, uh, that it's a very tough golf course to learn. And he doesn't expect me to do very well next week. So uh, I'm not sure if you put it that way. But that's the way it my my, my team took it. And so and, and Fitzy's a great guy. I get along. Fitzy's a friend. Um, but uh, it was it was funny that Fitzy's like, well, you know, it's a tough golf course to learn and, and, and get a hang for the first time. So um, we'll see. Like I said, i got a great caddy in Fuchu can, who can lead me around. It's just whether I can hit the golf ball where he, where he tells me to hit it. Fitzy
0: doesn't want anyone stealing his thunder after last year. I think that's <laughs> the problem. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I was watching that one. I was pretty special to see him win. Yeah, it was. It was a great finish too. Look, uh, Rory and Henrik are the only two players to have won both the FedEx Cup and the race to Dubai. Uh, I mean, you got so, you got a big chance there to join some pretty elite company.
1: I do. Uh, it's funny. I've I I just realized when you said it that I've been leaving Rory out of the the conversation of there's only been one guy Henrik can win the race to Buy and FedEx Cup, and I've been leaving Rory out, so I feel pretty bad about that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I think Rory can get over that one. He'll be he's doing just fine.
0: All righty. Well, look, we've discussed the future, but let's go back to where it all began for you in Grant, Florida, just north of. Uh, of West Palm Beach. Now, I believe you're currently on the board of directors at the AJGA, the American Junior Golf Association. Is that how you got started in the game coming up playing AJGA events? You know what?
1: I, I wasn't, uh, I was a good junior golfer. I wasn't anything special. Um, you know, AJGA events at my time when I was growing up were, were prevalent, but they it cost a little bit of money to travel to them. They weren't as nearly uh, numerous and uh, and a spread out area like they are now. So I played a lot of like just junior events around my area in South Florida and some state junior tournaments. Um, I did play probably maybe like six or seven AJJ events, but five of those were, were right before I went to college. I played well in one of them and was able to get in some invitationals. So, um, you know, I just, I, I, I was a good junior golfer. I wasn't like a world beater yet. And then the financial cost of, of traveling to play junior golf was something that uh, my family just
0: wasn't able to, to do at the time. Mm. Well, look, in, in 2017, you established the Billy Horschel Junior Championship presented by Zurich. There's a little bit of synergy there because uh, a couple of years ago, um, I established the Adidas Junior Sixers Tour here in Australia. And, and look, I, I know for myself, uh, being able to offer um, pathways and opportunities and help develop uh, the junior player's talent. It's, it's incredibly rewarding. And I'm sure with yourself, uh, you, you share that same sense of pride and, and satisfaction. I do. It's, it's something that
1: um, when I turn pro, you're always trying to figure out ways to, to give back, whether it's charity, whether it's uh, holding charity events or having a foundation or holding a junior golf event. And I think junior golf is unbelievable. I think these, these kids have such potential to, to be... Not only great in the game of golf, but to be ambassadors for the game of golf if they weren't able to make it. Um, and so to be able to start the Billy Ho Junior Championship with AJGA Tour or something that my wife and I uh, were very happy to do. Uh, my wife played AJGA Golf and played at the University of Florida, so she was very um, a really good player in her own, in, in her own right. Um, but the thing that I love seeing these kids, that they're so good already, the thing that I tried to at least you know, get across, educate them on is that they all want to play on LPGA Tour. They all want to play on the PGA Tour. And I love that they have that dream and that goal. But, you know, you got to be realistic and understand that uh, that goal may not happen. So make sure that along the path of trying to accomplish that goal, the people that you meet, the people you come across that you treat very well, you respect, you are, you are nice to them because you just never know what kind of friendship or mentorship can, can, can come of that. And if golf isn't the path for, for you down the road that these people that you've come across could, uh, possibly help you in your next endeavor in life and get you started on your, on your next path that isn't golf. So, um, like I said, these kids are so great and they're so young and they have so much enthusiasm for the game of golf. Uh, after, you know, as you know, we play this game so much. And sometimes at our age and being at it so long, you can get beat down by it um, that you wish you had that that kid like enthusiasm and and you know that naive you know uh, mind that you know you are you know nothing can stop you from accomplishing your your goals.
0: Well, look, I think it's a brilliant message, and there's also a lot of professional golfers that could take note of that. Uh, for example, playing in pro-ams on Wednesdays when you're out on tour, you just you never know when you your professional golf career is going to end either. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of great connections that you can make around the world through uh, the game of golf, but the, the AJGA and, and junior golf isn't the only avenue in which you're giving back because just this year you joined forces with the APGA, which is an organization for African-Americans and other minorities uh, developing careers in golf. So tell us a little about that partnership as well.
1: Yeah. So that that came about earlier this year, but it's something I've been thinking about for uh, since probably last since the summer of 2020, roughly, um, uh, I got introduced to to Willie Mack and, and Kamaya Johnson, two APJ Tour players, uh, uh, and and listen to their story. And actually, I got introduced to the APJ Tour in in 2018, and I didn't realize it was 20. I, I didn't usually I remember stuff like this. It was brought to me that, that was the first time that uh, I came across them. They were here in Punta doing some stuff at TPC Sawgrass and met the guys, took some pictures, Um, and then I met Willie at a uh, junior clinic for the Farmers Insurance at the beginning of January of 2020, Um, and and APJ Tour holds a a tournament out there at Torrey Pines, Um, but, you know, once the pandemic started and and I was, you know, getting to know Willie a little bit better and Kamayu a little bit better, um, and I, I understood trying to understand and learn about the APJ tour and what their mission and their message is. It it, it sort of uh, struck a little bit of a string with me in the sense that here's these guys are regardless of race or ethnicity, they're trying to play the game of golf and, and unfortunately they don't have the means or the ways necessary to be able to possibly get the the best instruction, to possibly have the money to travel around the country to play in Mini tour events or corn ferry tour events, whatever it may be that they're trying to get to, um, and it struck a message with me because I didn't come up. I'm very blue collar. My parents didn't. We didn't have money. There's, you know, several times that only one of my parents had a job. So if I wasn't fortunate enough to get a break to go to the University of Florida and then have success at the University of Florida that led to uh, some sponsorship right after college, if I just had an average college career. Where was the money going to come for me to be able to, um, you know, be able to try and live my dream of playing professional golf? So that's what really struck uh, a core with me. And then to think about what I would love to see this game be and to see it be more diverse and be more inclusive and 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 see people enjoy it more because it's such a great game of golf. You can play it, as everyone knows, till the day you die, but you truly see who people are when they're on the golf course and 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 just the love of the game that they have it, it's awesome so you know just all these things came together and it's something like i said i was thinking about for a few months and i finally called my manager sherry way uh, in february and said hey listen i've been thinking about this for a while i want to host a APJ tour event reason i want to do it is i think with the people i've met in the business world with the people i've met in the programs like we've talked about there's people there are that um, would love to be able to to help these kids out, be able to sponsor these kids, possibly, at least sponsor an event where they can make money um, to continue to to live their dream out. Uh, and and so we, my manager thought it was going to be something that we did it in twenty two, and I said no, I want to do it this year. And so we did it, and you know, we got it all together in five months. It was an unbelievable event. Uh, we had Cisco as our our presenting sponsor, Velocity Global, one of my partners. Uh, was involved. There's so many other people that were involved with this PJ Tour Superstore. Arthur Blank, who's the owner of Atlanta Falcons, a really good friend. So so many people stepped up to play plate to be a part of this uh, first event. That's going to continue on a yearly basis. And their their biggest purse, I think, on apj Tour is maybe thirty-five thousand dollars, and that's their tour championship. And this purse was eighty thousand dollars. And so um next year we're going to hold it uh beginning of may and the purse is going to be one hundred fifty thousand dollars. so we i want to make this where it is really meaningful for these guys and they really are getting the best opportunity to to um uh, progress in the game of golf but also make money that allows them to to um you know continue to play get better instruction and travel around to, to other tournaments
0: yeah look it's absolutely brilliant what you're doing it's a it's a terrific initiative uh for- I want to just quickly touch upon your uh, amateur and collegiate career as well. You referenced that you went to the, the University of Florida there in Gainesville, four-time All-American, and perhaps most notably during your amateur career, you were on that winning 2007 US Walker Cup team uh, against Great Britain and Ireland at Royal County Down. Uh, some of your teammates that week, it's a who's who of the two are now. Uh, Ricky Fowler, DJ, Chris Kirk, Kyle Stanley, uh, Jamie Lovemark, Colton to to name a few, but you also played Rory in the singles that week. What was your overall experience there? It must've been incredible.
1: It was, uh, I mean, to be a part of uh, a historic event like the War Cup was unbelievable. Um, uh, that group of, of guys on our team were so close knit. Um, you know, let's Ricky was a junior golfer. So he was just coming into our, our, uh, little group of friends that, that we had, that we, hung out at all amateur events with that we played practice rounds with that we went out to you know to uh out at night and caused trouble you know this was our group of guys that you know we were very close with and um, Ricky fit right in there um, and so we had just a great bond and a great team and, and we wanted to win we had ne- it's been almost a decade um to that point that we hadn't won over there uh, and we were playing a really good GB&I team we knew Roy McIlroy um, we knew he had just finished low-am at the Open Championship. And we have heard, you know, this guy is going to be uh, a, a superstar one day. Um, and to be able to to face him in three matches and two of them be singles uh, was pretty special. I fortunately came out on top. I nipped him twice and he got me once. But um, it was such a special, special um, event. And uh, I just, it, it's still one of the biggest, you know, tournaments, accomplishments
0: enjoyments in a game of golf I've had to this point. Well look, you, you graduated from the University of Florida in two thousand and nine, as I referenced, a, a four time All American there. You uh you went to the PGA tour qualifying tournament not long after you uh graduated and successfully gained your PGA tour card for 2010 back when you could uh you know it did offer a direct route to the PGA uh, tour. Was that was that always in the plans to turn professional immediately after college?
1: It was. Um, I had the opportunity to turn pro um, after my junior year. Uh, I was a pretty good player. I was going to be one of the top five guys coming out my junior year. But um, I felt one more year in college wasn't going to hurt me. Uh, a degree was very important, not only to myself, but my parents, who at that point, neither of them had a college degree. My mom does now have a college degree. Uh, but And then also to spend another year under the tutelage of Buddy Alexander, who who won the '86 U.S. Amateur, um, was was invaluable. And like I said, I mean, four years in college is a very uh, small amount of time compared to maybe playing 25, 30 years of professional golf. So, what was one more year gonna um, really mean? And I enjoyed my last year. I got better, and and I turned pro right afterwards, and and, and played a few Mini Tour events and, and played very well, and and went to Q School and, and got my card right away, and. Uh, struggled a little bit the first few years. You know, I had to go back to Q school a few times to regain my card. But, um, you know, sometimes it just takes a little while to figure a few things out. And and, and fortunately enough, it it, it didn't take me too long. I I, I learned uh, sooner rather than later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, your first year out in 2010, you actually only played four PGA Tour events and that was because of a wrist injury. Uh, How much did that derail your plans at the time?
1: Yeah, it hurt me a lot. Um, You know, I had never had an injury that uh, cost me uh, that I've ever had to have surgery on or take time out of the game. And so I had to have surgery and be away from the game for six months. And then uh, from there, I had to, you know, work my way back into it. And, you know, it it took me honestly, you know, Jim Furyk told me this. He said, listen, it's going to take you probably about a year or so for you to fully feel healthy again and feel like you're back here. Your normal self. So it really wasn't probably until the spring of twenty eleven that I felt one hundred percent back to where my game was before my wrist injury and 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 so, you know, to lose that year, you lose that year of learning experience on the PJ tour, you know, just set me back a little bit. But um, like I said, I mean I wouldn't have
0: it any other way. It's turned out pretty well since then. Uh twenty eleven and, and twenty twelve you finished 170th and 143rd in the FedEx Cup, and you referenced you you did struggle those first few years, and I remember also seeing you bouncing around on the web.com tour a little bit at the time, which is now the Corn the Ferry Tour. Now, in fact, between 2009 and 2012, you attended Q School four consecutive years, and you successfully gained or regained your PGA Tour card on three of those occasions. How much do you think facing that adversity early on helped shape you as a golfer and, uh, and sort of elevated your career to where it is now?
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, – when I look back at that, um, it was just one of those things when, you know, when you have to play well at that moment in those stages to be able to get your – to have a job on, on, on the PJ Tour or even the Corn Ferry Tour at the Web.com back then um, – you know, I proved myself that I'm able to compete at you know when I need to, when I need to play well, I'm able to compete at that time and bring my bring my game and and rise my game to the level that I need. And so it was a it was a big boost, a massive confidence boost, knowing that I could do it. Now it was just transferring and getting myself in the position uh, in the PJ tour uh, where I could could take advantage of of what I gained in Q school. And so. Um, like I said, it took a little while, as, we, as we've talked about, but it finally it finally stuck with me uh, in 2013. I finally learned everything, I you know, not everything I needed to learn, but enough to figure out how to play well consistently on the PGA Tour, what I needed to do. And, and from there, I was able to play really well and, and, and get my first victory uh, in 2013 after going through Q School for the
0: very last time in 2012. Yeah, well, you, you know, you really, as you said, you really kicked it into gear in 2013. You had four top tens in the first four months of the year before that first win at the Zurich Classic in New Orleans. It must have been a really special moment, like you said, having gone through all those hard times to, to you know, win that first title.
1: Yeah, it, it was. I mean, um, I had a few chances the the few weeks leading up to that Houston Open. I had a chance to win DA points. I made a great putt on 18 um, to win it. Uh, I had a chance in Hilton Head and I, I just messed up on the last nine holes um, and to go to Zurich and I had a chance I think at, at San Antonio uh, as well. So um, my game was in a really good shape. I just had to you know at, at, at certain moments not make that little mistake that that cost me uh, from having a chance to win. and so to go to Zurich um, to a place that I fell in love with in, in 2011, I had, uh, had some really great friends uh, that I met, uh, that hung out. And, and then from there, uh, I, I, I was able to just have a really great weekend. I think I shot 66, 64, uh, to win the event. Uh, so, um, it was sort of a accumulation of things just finally coming together and, and to finally, you know, I say knock down the door, walk through the door, whatever analogy you want to do to, to get, to,
0: to have your first victory was, was huge. Look, only six weeks after that first victory, you shared the 36-hole lead at the U.S. Open Championship at Marion with Phil Mickelson. You were the only two players under par after two rounds there. I remember in round two, you hit 18 greens in regulation. First of all, how do you do that at Marion, and especially in a U.S. Open?
1: Yeah, you know, it was amazing. I didn't know I did it until I honestly walked off the green on 18, and I think it was my score said, hey, do you know you just hit all 18 greens in regulation? I said, no. No, I didn't. I know I missed a green or two. Let me think about it. And and they're like, no, you did and I thought about it. I'm like, wow, I had all 18 greens regulation. thought that was pretty cool. I didn't realize, you know, it's it's a, obviously I knew it's a rare thing to do at any tournament. It's even rarer to do it in the U.S. Open. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty special to do it in the second round. Uh, and, and to play a really great round of golf. The one thing I remember about that round is I made one bogey. I three putted the 14th, that's uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 total, a little short par three. I had like 25 feet for birdie and I ran it by the hole four feet and had this four-footer slider down the hill and I missed it and and I was sort of kicking myself a little bit after that. But it was a beautiful round of
0: golf, one of the best rounds of golf um, I, I've ever played at that point. Well, it was obviously a great week for you there. You finished, uh, wound up finishing fourth behind Justin Rose and then of course, 20, uh, 2014 was a career year when you captured the, the FedEx Cup and you went on that tear through the playoffs with two wins and, and a runner-up. I've got to ask you, how did, how did you spend that $10 million? Did Were you wise or was it spent pretty quickly? Yeah,
1: it, it wasn't spent very um, – it wasn't spent quickly. Uh, as I tell people, as, as us golfers know, uh, taxes take a big chunk of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but – uh, I, I didn't go out and, and spend anything lavishly. My wife and I had already uh, talked about at the beginning of the year buying a bigger house because we were having a our first child, and so what it allowed me to do really was just um, you know buy a house and do some renovations uh, over over a couple year period um, without having to to do a mortgage. Or anything I was able to do cash. So um, I'm not a big spender. We don't spend you know you know on 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 meaningless things. So. Um, Yeah, so it was spent in a good way.
0: (laughs) Uh, Look, we'll uh, move forward to 2019. And it was when you you came over to England and you played the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. And that was actually your first time playing in Europe outside of a major championship or a, a WGC. And you finished fourth there. And of course, the European Tour's flagship event there is renowned for a stellar field and amazing crowds. How was your first experience there?
1: It was, it was everything I I thought it would be, and even more. Um, As I've said, you know, for the last few years now, I've watched that event for so many years on TV, on the Golf Channel. Uh, I absolutely just love just watching the European Tour, and to watch the flagship event was the first week we were out of school. So it was, it was something that I've always wanted to play and get over there. And we had been trying to get over there when it was in May, but it was just a tough part of the schedule. Uh, and we just couldn't seem to make it work. And and so when I heard uh, rumors the year before that they were going to push it back to September, I was like, wow, this is ideal. This is going to allow me now to get over there and play. And so took advantage of it right away and absolutely fell in love with the golf course, just like I thought I would. Um, it's just a beautiful golf course. It requires, you know, to think about your shots off the tee. You've got to have accuracy and just a beautifully designed golf course. And then the one thing sometimes you don't always see, you know, come through the TV, obviously you hear the announcers and commentators talk about it, was the crowds. The crowds are absolutely fantastic. I mean, 25,000 strong, supportive, loves the game of golf. Obviously, I truly believe the UK fans are the best golf fans uh, anywhere in the world just because of their knowledge of the game of golf and understanding what's a good golf shot and and the and, and, uh, pure joy they have for the game of golf so um, I just absolutely fell in love with it had a great week played well Uh, unfortunately didn't win Danny Willett did but uh, I walked away from that event saying hey this is an event I do want to win on the on on or have on my resume and this is an event I'm going to come back to on a yearly basis Um, and and so uh, I, I it was just I walked away from that event just Thoroughly are really thrilled to, to, to be a part of it.
0: Well, look, you, your wish came true only a couple of months ago when you became the second American alongside Arnold Palmer to, to win the BMW PGA Championship there. I know you may have had a little bit of extra motivation uh, starting the week <laughs> there at Wentworth, but did you? was there anything early on that week where you just sensed it might be your week?
1: No, not at all. Uh,
0: you
1: know, I, my game was in good shape. I played well. The week before at the Tour Championship in East Lake, and when I that course requires, you know, very similarly to what you need uh, at Wentworth. Um, Maybe it's a little bit more penal in the sense uh, at East Lake, just because you hit it in the rough. The rough's so nasty there, Um, but my game was in good shape coming from East Lake. I felt good with what we were doing, Um, but did I think I was gonna win? No, I mean I wanted to win. That was my goal, and that's what my focus was, but. As you know, you just never know when when that's gonna happen. And um, I went out there and just played, you know, a, a really solid round uh, on Thursday. I actually didn't even hit it that well. I think I was like two or three over par um, early in that first round. I wound up shooting two under, I believe. Um, so uh, got off to a shaky start but was able to rebound and, and then from there I just played really beautifully over the next fifty four holes and um, but I think I, I think what happens when I go over to a European tour Especially Wentworth, um, and I had that feeling at Dunhill as well. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I had this sense of calm and relaxation. Uh, I like more of the atmosphere on the European Tour. Um, the guys are a little bit more jovial and, and like to have a good time and and joke around and, and mess around a little bit. Where sometimes on Europe on our tour, the PGA Tour, uh, guys are a little bit more serious, and you know, uh, it, it just seems a little bit more. And I'm not one to get stressed out, but it just seems like the you
0: can cut, you know, the air a little bit more with a knife than you can on, at the European Tour. Look, you you shot a an amazing final round, seven under par, sixty five bogey free to end up winning there by one shot. And it's hard to uh, to forget that epic wedge shot that you hit into the seventy second hole to tap in distance to win by one shot. And and I'm assuming under the circumstances, it has to be one of the shots of your career.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're exactly right. It is the shot of my career to this point. I've made some massive putts. Uh, probably one of the biggest putts I made. Well, two of the biggest putts is is my first one. First win at Missouri Classic. Made a 25 footer for birdie to secure my victory there. And then the other big putt I made was number 16 at 2014 FedEx Cup Championship. On number um, on number 16, I made a 25 or 30 footer there for par. Um, but I've never hit like a, a shot coming down the stretch that was just... That, that secured that victory or, or you needed to hit a great shot at that point that was going to be memorable. So that was the first shot I, I, I've hit to, to have a victory and, and, and have, um, you know, a memorable shot, you know, be in, in you know, in, in the history a little bit. So uh, it was really cool. I was really excited um, to, to hit such a great wet shot with such a great amphitheater there on 18. Um, and, and it ultimately led to, to the victory.
0: Look, you've spoken of of your love for Wentworth. Your caddy, Fooch, actually sent me a message saying just how much you loved playing golf in the UK. Uh, Does that stretch all the way back to that Walker Cup we spoke about in 2007? Have you always loved playing in that part of the world?
1: Yeah, I do. I I don't know. I think what it comes from is I have a... I I love history. I love learning about history. I've always loved... um, you know the u k history i love I love England and, and their history and and learning about culture uh, and seeing you know you know the history of Europe is obviously a lot older than in the United States and so you see so many you see so many um, unbelievable places and I love to think about when I go to these places what was it like in like fourteen fifty leaving living here what was it like in the 1700s like I put my I try to imagine what it was you know like in in the senior round without the buildings or with the buildings, whatever you know it may have looked like back then, and so I think I bring that enjoyment and and that openness to um to the European tour to the u k events and everything, and I think that 's why i I enjoy it more and I think whenever I go over there i just I just love to experience um uh, uh, new places and, and,
0: and, and understand the culture and the vibe of, of that place. Well, look, straight after your victory there, you got to enjoy a celebratory dinner with uh, Mark Noble and Declan Rice uh, from your beloved West Ham. Was that a surprise or was it prearranged?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we, uh, I was talking to to Noble's uh, early in the week. We had become pretty good friends since my match play. He reached out to me after the match play. Um, and um, so we had stayed in touch on a regular basis he came down and watched a practice round at uh royal st george's this year and and so uh he was going to come over on sunday and watch and he was saying hey let's do sun dinner sunday night um so i was up for that and uh he goes if you win dinner's on me uh and so it was just awesome to have him there they absolutely loved it we we had a great dinner they were they kept telling me that they have never been more nervous in their life uh, than watching, you know, me try and win this event. And I'm like, and I can understand it because, you know, I'm not, I'm not nervous on the golf course, but if I'm watching the Hammers play, or if I'm watching my Florida Gators play, I'm really nervous because I can't control what the outcome of that that uh, sporting event may be. So I can get it, but to hear. You know Declan Rice. He just got off playing the Euro Championship, and he was in the finals against Italy. And say so he was more nervous watching me play than he was in in the final game. There is 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 amazing, and, and so um, it was it was special to have them there. It was special look for Fuchs because that's one event that as a European Tour cad you want to win. And Fuchs had not won it yet. Um, my stats guy is is English as well, so. For those two, it means a lot to be a part of a winning team um, at the BMW PGA. And so I was really happy for a lot. I was actually probably more happy for them than myself um, because I knew how much it meant to them. And so we had a really good time that night.
0: Uh, That's awesome. I I guess it's inevitable that someone as talented as Declan Rice will end up at a big club like Arsenal, right?
1: (laughs) I don't know about that. I mean... You know, me Arsenal guy? <laughs> I know. I was wondering where that came. I was wondering where that came. I was like, uh, uh, no. I, w- I hope we can keep him. I hope we can keep him. I mean, he's such a good guy. He's 22 years old. But, um, you know, whatever happens, it's, it's the best for him. And he's a friend for life, whether he's a hammer or whether he's. You know,
0: a gooner or not, I don't know. (laughs) Well, they're doing well this year. They're currently third on the table in the Premier League West Ham. But just a few weeks uh, after your BMW PGA victory, uh, you were back in Scotland teeing it up at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. And you got to play alongside your father. It was a 70th birthday present to him. Uh, Look, to walk the fairways at, at the home of golf, it must have been one of the most incredible, special moments of your golf career. It was awesome. I mean...
1: My dad's meant so much to me. Um, he's, my parents have sacrificed so much for me to be where I am. And, and so I try and, and, and give them things or experiences that, uh, you know, that they wouldn't have otherwise. And so to be able to play in a Pro-Am event with him, especially one like the Dunhill Links that is staged over three unbelievable golf courses that is in an unbelievable town of St. Andrews. We had such a great time. He enjoyed every moment of it. And and to make the cut as a team, and you know, be one of the 20 teams, to make the cut out of 162 teams is pretty unbelievable. So we had a great time. I think we were a little exhausted uh, come Sunday. We didn't play very well. But, you know, uh, that entire week on and off the golf course was just really memorable. And it's, as my dad said to me when, when we came back home, and he said that's something he's going to remember for the rest of his life. And so um, – my my dad doesn't show a lot of emotion, but I knew how much it meant to him, and that's pretty special.
0: Yeah, look, I've been lucky enough to play that event myself on a couple of occasions, and there's just such a sensational vibe around that week with the the entertainment, the revelry. You've got the Jigger Inn right there off the road hole at St. Andrews. Uh, were you able to partake in some of those activities with your dad?
1: Yeah, you know, my dad's a, uh, my dad's a great guy. He can come across, uh, you know, maybe not so much now, but... He, he could be you know a little standoffish and and you know a little hard to to you know break down his barriers, but uh you know we went to the Dunvegan Inn early in the week and uh he wound up going there uh several times without myself or or my caddy horsey my caddy Fuchs or my stats guy hortsey who was caddy for my dad and he met the locals and and like my dad does uh, once you know he gets among people and people uh he, he sort of lets his guard down a little bit. They absolutely love him. And so he was going there by himself and the locals like, hey, hey, there's Bill. Come on over. And it's it's pretty easy to recognize my dad. He's got the little Fu Manchu, the go- goatee, whatever the handlebars going on. And so he would go up there on, a, you know, I think every night um, before dinner and have a drink or two with, with the locals. And, and he loved it and they loved him. And so it was uh, it was really cool to, to do some of that with him.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Look, uh, back in July, you also traveled to Scotland to play in the Scottish Open. And that particular week, you were introduced to the, uh, the infamous European Tour content team with the fake pundit oh. video. Did that catch you a little off guard?
1: Uh, at first, I was wondering because, uh, you know, Nick usually is the one interviewing. He was there and he's like, hey, we've got this, I think he said, intern who's going to interview you. So that, you know, raised a little bit of awareness for me. And uh, I, I quickly realized after the first question, as I was answering, and yes, I do have very long answers. And I can have drawn out answers and it takes me a little while. He, he cut me off. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, maybe he just wants to get moved on. And he answered, asked the question again, the same question again. And he wanted a simple answer. I'm like, okay, something's up here. And so I, I at least I, I caught on a lot sooner than than Colin did which is absolutely
0: hilarious to watch him he was he was beside himself (laughs) I still I still remember the I don't know if you've seen it I remember the I think it was the the fake interviewer or something from Dubai a few years ago and he I think he asked Henrik Stenson the same question like three or four times in a row (laughs) they do some good stuff look it's, it's it's been it's been a it's been a big thing uh in your career that you've missed out on playing a Ryder cup whilst arguably being the hottest player in the planet, uh, back in 2014. And not long after that, they changed the selection criteria around the, the selection dates. Um, you could call it the, the Horschel rule, I guess, but <laughs> being able to to sit on the couch and, and watch that 2014 Ryder cup at Glen Eagles, uh, and then the unrest in the in the team in the aftermath that that followed was was that difficult for you when you know you probably felt like you should have been there. You know it's tough to watch the team
1: you know really get their butts handed to them. Um, you know you never want to see that. Um, at the point at that time, I didn't feel like i I didn't play well enough. I didn't play well enough to to be picked on the points, and I didn't play well enough to be picked as as a captain's pick at that point obviously if it was a week later two weeks later i think i would have been picked and been on that team but at the same time i'm not saying it would have been a bad experience to be part be on that team um but you know it wouldn't have been a fun experience not not for the the, the play but just for some of the stuff that came out afterwards and, and and the way some things got drawn out in the media that you know maybe it sh- maybe it shouldn't have been but Things happen for a reason and, and I wasn't on that team. And so obviously I've not made a team yet. It's, it's the one thing I really want to do um, outside winning the four majors. Um, and hopefully I'll, I'll be able to experience that. Whether it's a winning team or a losing team, I've just heard that the experience itself, you, you become really close with the players that you play with. And it's just an unbelievable week to be a part of. And, and, and hopefully I do have
0: a, a chance one day to, to experience that. Well, look, this year in, in, in 2021, uh, you, had, you, you had the victory at the WGC Match Play Championship. You were also a runner-up at the WGC event at the concession in Florida. Three other top five finishes. You were ranked 28th in the world at the time of, uh, of selection. And given that Captain Stricker had six picks, did you feel a little hard done by not to be on that team at Whistling Straits? no not really um i the last
1: couple months of the of the season i didn't play particularly well enough to to you know really put my name in the hat i thought i may have done something the last last little month maybe to to at least possibly you know be talked about um but i i knew when the captain's picks came down i knew it was going to be a tough one and uh, I I honestly didn't think I was going to get picked. I thought like I thought I was going to get a call, like I had talked about. I thought I was at least in the conversation, and I thought maybe a call was going to come to just say, "Hey, you know, you had a good year, Billy, um, but unfortunately, you know, we're going with these guys for, or we're going to go in a different direction." Which which is fine. I knew that was going to. I did not expect to be on this team. Um, I was hoping by some grace of God that I, I did get picked on the team, but I didn't think it was going to happen. So. I think I, I think I just took like I said, I took probably more offense to it that I just didn't get a call, um, and that was simple as that.
0: yeah Well look, uh, finally, that victory at the WGC match play uh, in addition to the BMW PGA Championship victory a couple of months ago, you're exempt for a few years on the soon-to-be DP World Tour. Uh, Are we going to see a lot more of you in Europe in the future? Yeah. uh, I'm I'm hoping,
1: obviously, I have to play a minimum of four events, and I'm hoping to play more than that. Um, I'm hoping to maybe play five, six, seven events over there on a yearly basis. Um, Unfortunately, it just all depends on how I am, where I stand in the FedEx Cup and how well I play over here. Um, I do enjoy my time a lot over there on the European tour, the, the soon to be DP tour or world, um, world tour. Uh, so we're going to see, I mean, there's so many places that I've, like I said, I've watched the European tour so much on TV because the coverage co- comes on early. You know, I want to get the Kranz, Montana. I want to maybe play Balladarama one day. Um, there's so many other events. The French Open uh, at Le Golf National is an unbelievable golf course I heard. So, you know, there's so many other events that I would love to get to on the European Tour that um, over the next decade I plan on getting to. It may not happen all in the next couple of years, but, you know, I, I'm sort of giving myself a, a 10-year window um, to to get to some of these events before, you know, maybe I hang up the clubs in 10 years. That's sort of maybe a, a mini goal of mine as as we sit here right now, as I've talked about with some people. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens Uh like I said, it it's such a great tour. Um, it's nice to see that they're finally getting the support that needs that they need, and I think this is just going to be the start of some hopefully continuous growth on the European tour because there's some great players as we already know on that European tour, um, and they just need need a little bit more support as as a lot of professional golfers do outside the PGA tour uh, to to you know live a life that
0: um, they can be happy with before we do go it would be remiss of me not to ask you about uh, your kids because i have noticed you a couple of times during this uh, during this chat uh, pointing to them and, and and acknowledging acknowledging them how how important is it to you uh, to be able to relax <clears throat> at home having them around and obviously having them be a part of your team and witness your success it's really cool my kids
1: my kids are are unbelievable they're when I say they are balls of energy, they are absolutely balls of energy. I mean, they are nonstop and and they get it from me. I mean, I mean, my wife has a ton of energy. Um, I think I have more than my wife, but she has to take care of the kids more than I do. Obviously, you know, I'm in white, but they are just full of energy every day, nonstop from time they get up to time they go to bed. And even even when they're in bed, they don't want to go to sleep. Um, so they are great. Uh, all they care about is a trophy they just want to see a trophy they just love it when i win they want to they want to put their hands on a trophy they want to look at the trophy um they they love it um you know when i'm playing well and you know they're 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 at an age now that um when i leave it's it's tougher to leave because they know i'm gone and and as my oldest one asked me the other day she said hey daddy you're going to be here for christmas and I'm like, yes, I'm gonna be here for Christmas. I've never missed a Christmas, but she knows I'm only here uh, sometimes maybe for two two weeks or maybe you know, last you know, like I said I had four weeks at home and, and so she was ecstatic that I was gonna be home for four weeks. So they're they're great kids and, and I, I just love that when I get home I'm able to sort of get away from the game of golf and try to, you know, get into their world, get into my wife's world of of, of, of the kids and being involved in any of their extracurricular activities outside schools. So, uh, you know, I I enjoy being around them as much as I can.
0: Uh, Great stuff. Billy Horschel, thank you very much for joining us on the Life on Tour podcast today. And uh, all the very best next week at the DP World Tour Championship in your quest to win the race to Dubai. And uh, we look forward to seeing more of you on the uh, DP World Tour in years to come.
1: Thank you. Thanks, buddy.